Hey, I'm Steven Glicker from Roll for Combat and Battle Zoo Bestiary, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter talk about the Kickstarter for homebrew and hacking, crafting new heritages and cultures for Level Up 5th Edition. In the news, D&D lore change is coming with Monsters of the Multiverse, RuneScape is getting its own RPG, Awfully Cheerful Engine number 6, Orcs and Oubliettes is released, a look at the starter set for The One Ring, and more, plus a brand new sketch about Dungeon Death Trap Safety Reports, this week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG Talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by Grimlick's Animal Avatars and Familiars for personages of a magical or sorcerous persuasion. Wow, they really picked a name that rolls off the tongue. Grimlick's stocks creatures of all sizes, from magical cockroaches, enchanted boa constrictors, all the way through to medium-sized cats and trick bears. All of these familiars are perfectly suited for enhancing the image of... Honestly, familiars are so last century. I've been using the Scribone 8 Plus for a year now, and I'm very happy with it. What? Oh, go to Grimlick's Animal Avatars and Familiars if you want a ridiculous and glorified pet. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse, we aim to enthuse. And Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Role Players. Russ, as ever, it is amazing to be here. Right. So, so in the news this week, yes. So we have got yes some news really about the Dragon Dance Nexus. What? Official Dragon Dance fan site. Yes, I remember the Dragon Lance Nexus, but we have news about them. Tell me yes. more. They turned to 21 this week. Oh, wow. I mean, yay, but also, oof, but also, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed emotions. Yeah. Mixed emotions. So they started yes. in January 2001. Nice. To create, like, Dragon Lance material for D&D 3.5. Right. And they were, like, every single setting, D&D setting, yes. had a, a, a Nexus des- designated fan site. They weren't uh, called Nexus, they no. had different names. But, but okay. Um, so there's a, you know, a Star one, there's a Planescape yes. one, there's a, you know, there's, a whole, there's all of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was the official Dragonlance Nexus, like blessed by Wizards of the Coast, mm. with an actual blessing, you know, no, and, okay. uh, incense and like nuns chanting and, no, nuns but, don't chant, monks chant, nuns, oh, Monks can know. chant and, as well. <laughs> Honestly, Russ. Uh, so what, what I'm hearing is plus two to attack, plus two to saving throws. Awesome. Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So congratulations <laughs> to the Dragonlance Nexus. Yeah. Who started around about the same time that my site, EN World, started, which is also 21. Oh, well, congratulations on having a website that's old enough to have its own keys to the door. <laughs> Google, Le- Google Legal Plus. to drink in America. <laughs> no, Google Plus came and went. <laughs> <laughs> Outlasted an entire social network. Oh, yeah, a Google Wave as well. Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just waiting for Facebook and Twitter to disappear. That's going to happen soon, surely. Yeah, when did MySpace become a thing? That was before, the 90s, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I never, that was sort of before my time. Hmm. I, I don't remember MySpace. 
I'm aware that it existed, and everyone who was on MySpace automatically got friended with the creator of MySpace or something. Tom, lovely chap. Was, yeah. I wonder what's yes. happened to him. Um, he sold it for a very large sum of money. Yes. So I imagine fine. he's quite... He, he's good. He's good. Occasionally he pops up with his little picture and says, hey. And you're like, okay, Tom. Okay. Hmm, fair enough. Fair enough. Why not? So, Something monsters... Yeah. <laughs> monsters of the Multiverse... But, oh, oh, was that the whole news about Dragon Lance Nexus? Yeah, 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 it's 21, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was hoping they were doing some sort of special event. No. Or something Dragon they, they posted a blog article about it. Ah, okay. Retrospective anyway. of 21 years of yeah. Dragon Lance stuff. Cool. But anyway, so... Uh, Monsters, Monsters of the, of the Multiverse. Yes. 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 Morning Clown presents Monsters of the Multiverse. So that yes. came out this week on yes. Tuesday, earlier this week. Okay. And people have it. Exciting. And there's reviews up about it generally around the place. But um, there was a video that Wizards put up. Yes. Which was Jeremy Crawford. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about... It was, it was quite a short video. It was only like seven minutes long. Okay. It took seven minutes to say some quite short stuff. Yes. But uh, a couple of the law changes mm-hmm. that's happening. Because not only are there mechanical changes in this to all the races and monsters and stuff, mm-hmm. there's law changes as well. Law changes? Mm. L-O-R-E, not L-A-W. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even considering legal ramifications, okay. to right. be fair. Well, you but should. Like, well, well, maybe I should. Okay. So <laughs> tell me what of the L-O-R-E changes. <laughs> so um, the big shift, there's a big shift, yes. generally speaking, mm. at Wizards, and especially sort of like highlighted by this book, towards the multiverse as the game's main perspective, rather than a specific setting. Like, up until now, Arguably, I would say the main Wizards, Wizards of the Coast focus has been the Forgotten Realms, hasn't it? There's a couple of exceptions, but yeah. really it's, it's been there. So basically, the main It's hard to forget is, about them because they never go away. They're always there, yes, man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the Unforgotten Realms. <laughs> so um, the main perspective is more of a shift towards the multiverse yes. with like a whole variety of worlds and settings and stuff. Yes. So rather than saying, like, um, goblins are this. Yes. Um, in the Forgotten Realms, which yes. is how, how they've approached these things before. Yes. They're, they're sort of doing sort of big, more sort of mythical universe spanning stories. Right. Like really deep prehistoric lore almost. So goblinoids, for example, I gave an example of goblinoids. Yes. So there's deep lore on goblinoids going all the way back to first edition. Right. So the god of goblinoids was, is, mag, 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 Tree, as it were. I a mean, goblin goblins. tree. Yeah, this is like goblins and it's bugbears and it's orcs, you know. It's the are, are we saying tree. that Maglubia collectively organised the goblinoids people? Well, unified. Okay. Is, like, is the word they used. Right, right. So what were they pushing for? Better labour and terms <laughs> of conditions? Well, what they were before, apparently, yes. Yes. I say now, goblinoids were folk of the Feywild, oh. but mm-hmm. before... Maglubiet, yes. they were more in keeping with what we know as real-world folklore, rather right. than the D&D lore we're used to. Okay. So I don't know exactly what that means, but real-world folklore of goblins tends to be 
less yeah. small green and armed with scimitars well, and it's more, more, it's more... It's more varied as well, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's like goblins can even be a generic name to include mm. things like pixies, brownies, sprites. Yeah. There's so, a lot of space for goblins to exist. Yeah, yeah. So another example is changelings. Yeah. So you think they're from Eberron. They're an Eberron race. But what mm-hmm. they're saying is they, they've been everywhere and they are everywhere. You yeah. just don't necessarily know it. Yes. They kept it under uh, their hats. Yes. <laughs> and they, they originate in the, in the, uh, Fey world as well. Okay. So they're doing quite a lot of origination in the Fey, you know, Fey origin sort of. Uh, I mean, Russ, I'll be 100% honest. It sounds a lot like these people are giving me homework to do and I kind of resent it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, right. that, that, perhaps that's just my perception of it. That's fine. Um, <laughs> well, don't buy new books then if you don't want to read them. I don't know what to tell you. Why would we do books? Crazy. <laughs> okay, don't buy it then. Okay, I mean, I'll that's the point there. of getting a book. Because yeah, it will have re- stuff in it. Oh, oh, please, please. Are you telling me that RPG people buy books because they want to read them? Uh, historically, yes. <laughs> that is, Where has that uh, been true of you? There is a lot, a lot of RPG books that are bought and never played. To the extent that when you design an RPG book, you take the reader into account as well as the player. Yes. So when I, when I wrote What's All This New Stuff. Yes. I was very aware that some people would buy it and read it and wouldn't play it. So what I was producing wasn't just a game system and a game system would look like a a spreadsheet. It could be really dry. Yes. I was making it a book that you could read with information in it and Mm. a a tone that was readable. Okay. Rather than a sort of encyclopedic sort of reference tome, which Interesting. you can't really sit down and read. I mean, like, I feel personally attacked at this point. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, have you never fallen into a Wikipedia hole? Well, yeah, no, that's not. Or, I mean, or well, TV tropes. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. There is that. Okay. But, but Thank you. I don't think RPG no, no, I, I really comparable what... to Wikipedia. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how interested you are in stories. Me, personally, quite a bit. Well, there you go. That's what yeah. we're saying. That's yeah. why they put. That's why they put all this lore stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, but that's 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 telling the story rather than this is a description of various individual parts of a story. Because mm. I wouldn't describe TV tropes as being a fictional, coherent story, but it basically refers to ideas, which is mm. a reference thing. But no, well, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so but people anyway, do what, read these things do. for fun. Yes. Fair yeah. Yes. I mean, I've got upstairs. I have got sort of hundred, two hundred RPGs. Yes. But I've played probably 20 or 30 of them. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. You know, so a lot of them I read mm. for yes. pleasure. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. And I would play them all, but it's just impossible. Yeah. And basically because like multiple RPGs come out every day now, even if oh, you yeah. played an RP- a new RPG every day, yes. the list of RPGs you hadn't played would still be getting longer and longer daily. Oh, it's impossible now. Yeah. So, it's never going to happen, is it? And that, that's like if you and if you started right now, I mean, heck, you'd probably have had to start what 20, 30 years ago, forty years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd still well, be out yeah. of luck. <laughs> I think with Kickstarter, there's more coming out now. I swipe, oh, my sense, my feeling. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot more coming out. Yeah, but, or maybe it's like more of them are reaching a wider audience, perhaps because Kickstarter mm, permits that. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty know. sure there's lots of homebrew RPGs kicking around, which yeah. have never actually seen light of day beyond maybe at most optimistic a photostatted sort of copy. Mm, exactly, yeah. yeah. Hey, yes. Homeworld hey. Revelations. Is this the latest Marvel, Marvel film? No, this is, um, you know, the video game Homeworld. 
Oh, Viva, yes. I think real-time I, strategy space video yes, game. Yeah, I've played that and Homeworld 2 a couple of times. Mm. I started them, and then I sort of lost interest and wandered off. But I do oh, remember I the stories. I played good. those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they are fun. I, I just couldn't quite get into them. That's why it's kind of my sweet spot for video games, that sort right. of thing. Right. Nice, nice. But they do have a lot of spaceships. I, I am, I think, probably more spaceshipy than fantasy E. Mm-hmm. in my predilections. I think, I mean, it wavers a bit. Sometimes I'll sit there and I'll watch Lord of the Rings and go, no, I'm definitely into fantasy. And then I'll watch Star <laughs> Trek and I go, no, I like spaceships. So, you know, it's kind of hard to do. I like them both. But, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. But anyway, Modifius announced Homeworld Revelations, the RPG, like, last year, 2021, mm. at some point. I can't remember what it was. That sounds about right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, at some point. Uh, this week, they have released a 68-page PDF. Yes. For free. Nice. Which is the starter set, a, a, a quick start for Homeworld mm-hmm. Revelations. So it's an adventure. Mm-hmm. And you're a team of archaeologists searching Ooh. a thousand-year-old spaceship wreck for artifacts. You can't see this, but I'm actually vibrating with excitement. <laughs> There's five pre-generated characters. Nice. Uh, uses the 2D20 system. Mm, okay. And yeah, you can grab that for free. And the core rules are coming out in May 2022, apparently. So about four months' time. Yeah, soon. Mm, mm. So I get to be an archaeologist on a spaceship in space. Yeah. Although or maybe on that, that does sound like a fairly generic sci-fi setting. Yes. Pl- plot. Yeah. Like you are an archaeologist. You could do that in, in Star Trek, or you could do that in Aliens, the RPG. You could do that in pretty mm. much any sci-fi RPG. I don't know if there's anything yeah. specifically. I'm I- wondering what's specifically homeworldy about Homeworld Revelations. Well, I imagine the associated law, which they will be bringing out. Yeah. yeah. But basically, the, the video game is an RTS. So, yes. Presumably, uh, that's not the aspect of it you'll be engaging in. So, they had these things called cutscenes, yeah. uh, which were quite important. Where they yeah, I, never, like, I, never, I never watch cutscenes in video games. They bore the hell out of me. Well, if I that, wanted to watch a bad cartoon, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch an actual bad cartoon. <laughs> I mean, Russ, you need to take a break from the podcast, go out and on. <laughs> raise your fists to the sky and shout at some clouds. That's okay. The worst, thing, the worst thing is a video game that makes me watch five to ten minutes of bloody animation before I can start playing. I'm not interested. I want to kill, I want to shoot something now. I'm not interested <laughs> in this homework you're making me do beforehand. Well, that coincidentally, is the same way I feel about the revelation that is going to be a huge book which is going to try and bring all the disparate troops of D&D together into a thing. But mm. to be fair, to be fair, right, that's probably because I'd rather just do it myself and homebrew it that way. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't think it's a massive amount. I think you're probably no. getting like a paragraph per race mm-hmm. of, of, of new law. And it's not, you know, we're not talking... No, if you're, if you're, if you're a goblinoid, like a big bear and goblin and, I don't know, what have you got, hobgoblin? What about Gremlins? Yeah. Are Gremlins a thing? I don't think they're in that book, yeah. We, no. Well, we did go through the list of races the other, the other week, but I can't There were 33, and there were definitely yeah. hey, Gremlins on that list. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we're talking about, like... A, I mean, 33 paragraphs is an essay, right? And that's yeah. the bare minimum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, t- talking of uh, video games coming to tabletop... Yes. RuneScape. Ooh. So RuneScape is the oldest free... Mm-hmm. Yes. I think you'll find it's perhaps Mamorpka. Yes. <laughs> a massively multi-player online role-playing game, you say? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Lord. Yeah, so it, it launched in January 2021 as a browser-based Memorabaga. It launched um, when, sorry? <laughs> January, January 2001, sorry, not 2021. <laughs> uh, you, you, I, I was like, I, I know I'm not paying attention, but I'm pretty sure it's older than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's got over 200 million accounts. So it's also like 21 years old, sort of mm. thing. Oh, congratulations. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's still like running. The, kid, the kids are all grown up, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so Steamforged Games is releasing a tabletop RPG for it later this year. Exciting. Yeah. Um, so we don't know that much about it yet, except they are running a survey mm-hmm. for existing RuneScape players to give their input into the uh, tabletop RPG version. Okay. But that is pretty much all we know about it at this stage. But you can go and do the, yes. do the survey. And also, if you do the survey, you get entered into a draw to win one of five $100 Amazon vouchers. Nice. Exciting stuff. Yeah. So, so I've never played RuneForge, so I really couldn't tell you that much about it. Yeah. Have you played it? Uh, are you talking about RuneScape? Or RuneScape, Rune yes, sorry. They're yeah. Steamforged. The game Steamforged. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I know very small bits about it because I am on the internet. Right. So people talk about it. And it seemed all right. I wouldn't mm. particularly want to get into it. Like sort of a pre-World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft sort of thing. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, so that's not all that Steamforged is doing. Ah, there's and more. Also, and we mentioned, I think last week, they were making Dark Souls. Was it last week or the week before we mentioned it? I, I think it must have been quite recently because um, Twitter has been full of people who have very, very strong opinions on this game. Mm. What sort of opinions? They have questions, Russ. Many questions. i, I got to say, I'm quite interested in how exactly one would implement Dark Souls using 5th edition D&D. Yes, because that is what they're doing. Yes, yes. Mm. It's, it's a choice. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I was talking to that lovely Panny. You, you remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, came on the podcast to talk about Savage Union, and right. uh, we were just saying, well, it's very easy. All you have to do is make all your characters level one, and all your monsters at least CR three, and that will seamlessly replicate a lot of uh, the Dark Souls experience. Fair enough. You get in a fight, you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in this, there's uh, new character classes. I would hope so. A brand new magic system. Mm-hmm. A full. Bestery or bestery, bestery. Yes. So it looks like they're making quite a lot of kind of core changes to 5e. So when they say it is for the edition, it sounds like it's more like it's compatible with 5e than it actually is 5e from that description. Yeah. In much the same way that, say, the Lord of the Rings 5th edition was 5e, the sort of maybe the character levels only went up to 10 and it didn't really have a lot of magic users, but mm. was still like, you know, an enjoyable game. Mm. Well, the interesting, it's coming out really soon. Yes, yes, yeah. I heard. Yeah. So, when, when pre-orders, exactly? well, pre-orders in February, mm-hmm. and then it's coming out in spring, whenever that is. What's that, so April? Mm-hmm. March, March 15th, April, I think. March, April, yeah. It's the official date, as, mm. I, as I recall, but I've never really paid attention. It's like, mm. it's always raining, and if it's not, then that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes! Hey, it's a new D&D comic book featuring Minsk and Boo. Goodness. Coming from IDW. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Nice stable. 100, 100 page book mm-hmm. written by Jim Zub. Oh, that would be good. And it's hitting comic book stores in April with a retail price of five ninety nine. And Minsk and Boo awaken in Baldur's Gate 
in a powder skate that's very different to the one that they knew. Yes, yes, I imagine. It's been, what, like over 20 years? Getting on for 25 or something like that? I guess, yeah. Yeah, what was it, 96, 98? Yeah. Go yeah. for the eyes, boo! Yes. Had to be said. Hey, there's an awfully cheerful engine. Issue number six came out this week. Oh, wow. Six issues? I'm sorry, Russ, I haven't been paying attention. So uh, this is... Yeah. Orcs and Oubliettes. <laughs> it's a, a, it's a, a, a reverent um, kind of uh, parody of D&D, I guess. No. Or fantasy tropes. I would never have got that from the name. <laughs> it's, very, it's very Pratchettian. Marvellous, marvellous. Yeah. I'm loving it already. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, don your armour, sharpen your sword, and ready your lantern. The residents of the city of Heckmorveg are in danger, and only you have the metal needed to save them. Huzzah. As members of the city's Dusk Watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very fun me. and very silly. Did, did, did someone come armed with a source for us? Did that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I see the cover? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see, I see. Oh, you got a little fairy flying around there. And is it okay. a knight? Is that no? Oh, okay. A, a construct. Captain Fanta, who's a construct. Captain Fanta. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Swatter is the, is the Gary Potter looking one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No. And that's a watch station 12 and a half in the background there. Right, right. So uh, Mark Langworthy has been armed with a dictionary and the world's biggest book of dad jokes, <laughs> and uh, has been unleashed. Yeah. Yes. It's very, very silly, very, very fun. Yes. Tongue-in-cheek, I think, definitely captures it. Yeah. Yes. And it's ah. out now. It's like, you know, rules like Awfully Cheerful Engine, rules like comic book size and format. Yeah, yeah. Each adventure is... I, I think it's safe to say that anyone who picks this up will have a fairly good idea of what they're getting. Mm. They should not be confused if they're familiar yeah. with the genre. Yeah. Yeah. See you. Let's find some more news, shall we? Yes. So, the known world in D&D later became Mistara, but it was originally called the known world. Okay. And we're going back to D&D back in, like, the early 80s. Okay. Um, originated as the a personal campaign setting of mm. Tom Moldvay and Lawrence Schick back mm. in the 1970s. Yeah. Before it became sort of like codified more in uh, in actual D and D editions. Yeah. Um, so uh, Bill Wilkerson, who was a player of, in that campaign back in the seventies, mm. yeah. saved all of these sort of Moldvay era OD and D house rules from them. Yes. Uh, which have been scanned and formatted into booklets by Shannon Appleclimb, who we had on the ah, show. Yes. Um, which you can download for free on a mm. Google Drive. I mean, these are kind of like handwritten. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or typed in, you know. Yeah, yeah. So classic nineteen seventies style. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a Google Drive link with like eight PDFs. Nice. And basically, um, the documents have like photocopies of the ODD house rules back there. Mm-hmm. Ca- the character sheet for one of the PCs, which is a Moy Gikhan, a human female fighter magic user. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Wilkerson's campaign prep notes, which provide details on the original known world. Mm, mm. And an adventure. So this was called mm. The Quest for the Sacred Scepter. And this mm. is one of the early dungeon design contests held by Dragon Magazine. Um, mm. it didn't win, 
No. And the contest rules stipulated that the submissions became property of TSR. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that... Okay. You can just download it for free from a Google Drive or this. It's not... Oh, fantastic. I, I was afraid that there was a company of that name that might be trying to claim it has no, an no, intellectual no, no, copyright. No, no, no. Nobody's, oh, okay. trying to, nobody's trying to do anything. Not yet. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Peter. But. Yes, Russ. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do have to tell you this because I have been personally called out. Rude. Mm. Uh. Let me try and find it. Where is it? Where is it? I didn't bother posting a news item about this because it's too silly. You've been called out. Uh, did, did someone ask you for pistols at dawn? <laughs> <laughs> I think we finally made it. Here we go. So. The TSR News Update. So Kim Winson posted on Twitter, spotted yes. this. This is a module produced yes. being sold on the Hobby Dungeon. What's it called again? Dungeon Hobby Site. Dungeon Hobby Site website, which is owned by TSR. Dungeon <laughs> Hobby Site, okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. And it's an adventure called The Cult of Abaddon by mm-hmm. Vincent Florio with Ernest Greigax Jr. $14.99. Ah, yep. uh, they've actually produced something. Uh, first edition compatible. Okay. <laughs> Let me read the description. In a small village. Yes. In an obscure kingdom. Yes. The Red Hand Cult of the Demon Abaddon is cursing the water supply of the village of Morris. Oh, I see. Right, yes. <laughs> well, congratulations on having made it into the big time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm finally yeah. famous. <laughs> I, I, I've heard of living rent-free in someone's head, but <laughs> living rent-free in someone's game, I mean, it's nice of them to, to immortalise you in that way. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, you can't, uh, 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 I mean, it's sort of flattering in a sort of a scary, they have a small shrine it's a, way. It's, it's flattering in a, yeah, it's a, in a mildly sad kind of way. But yeah, okay, fine. I'll take it. Well, they're trying. So maybe we've been too hard on them. Yeah. Oh. I mean, after all, they have now published something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on from that. <laughs> let's move on swiftly. Let's move on to something more interesting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, hey, so the Legend of Vox Machina came out oh, yeah, today. I have not mm. seen it yet. Right. On um, Amazon. So, sort of okay, mm. so I cannot tell you what it's like. Well, also you wouldn't watch it because it's a cartoon. No, I thought we agreed that we would, didn't we? And, uh, oh, okay. Maybe yes. we could do that as our topic next week. Oh, well, w- uh, watch, it. watch it and do it as a topic next week. I, I mean, if it's possible for us to watch it, because obviously... So it'd be on Amazon uh, Prime and there should be two episodes. Okay, that's uh, if it's coming out today. Uh, that looks like I might actually be able to watch it. Yeah, hey, you can. It's on, I told you, it's on Prime. Ah, nice. Okay, uh, there's three episodes available. Three? Oh, I thought there was only two. Oh, how much is Yeah, yeah. And we've got The Terror of Tal'Dorei Part 1 and Part 2 and The Feast of Realms. Well, how about this? Yes. Both of us watch all three episodes by next week. Okay. And then we'll make it our topic. We won't, we, won't, we won't keep it's doing an hour it, and just the once. It's, just it's an hour and a half. All right, all right. Just the once. Okay. Or just well, the first I, two then, maybe, because it's a two-parter. Yeah. And you can watch yeah, the third yeah. one if you want, but just the first okay. two. Perhaps if I'm sucked in and become a critter. Well, I won't be because it's a cartoon. And, you know, you know my... Um, you know, apart from the fact that I'm the world's foremost expert on anime, 
Obviously, as we know from uh, Cowboys Be Boop. <laughs> yeah. As, as we know, <laughs> I don't watch cartoons, so I will be forcing yeah. myself to watch this, but I will give it a go. I will give it a fair shot. Okay. And we'll see okay. what it's like. Well, all listeners, next week I will be able to immediately tell whether Russ has been sucked in by the power of Vox Machina <laughs> by whether or not he's wearing a large Hawaiian shirt with anime characters across it. Hey, mm. guess what I got through the post this week? Finally. Well, was it a large Hawaiian shirt with anime characters across yes. it? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I got my One Ring starter set and core Ooh, exciting. Second edition, is it? Is it yeah. yeah, it's over there. Hang on a second. Let me get it. Yeah, go grab it. All right, so this is from back in the Kickstarter. Yes. So I paid for these. Um, so, oh, must be yes. a hardcover book. Yes. With, with, Lovely embossed front. Yeah, but with... Oh, I can see the ribbons. Oh, oh, oh. I can't actually get to the ribbons. <laughs> ribbon. ribbon. Oh, do you want to know something? Do you want a secret? Ribbon related. Turned out... Bear in mind we, you're sharing this with me and all our listeners. It's fine. Turns okay. out... Yes. That when we got the quotes for printing the luxury, the leatherette editions with ribbons, yes. Yes. it turned out that it didn't really cost us much more to stick ribbons in the rest of the books too, oh. because the interior was the same. Oh, so, are, are you announcing a free upgrade? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Everyone yeah. free stuff. You, you get ribbons. So in the many ribbons. Versions. I'm so happy. There mm. you go. I, two, I, I believe it's two ribbons, and I let Shin choose the colours, and I don't know what colours she's chosen. So nope. I don't know what colours the ribbons are. But we shall Shin, have to wait who is uh, publishing administrator, chose chose that. So anyway, mm. so one ring box set. Here's the box. Mm. That's a big box. Oh, well, open the box. First thing I notice inside cover of the box. Oh, nice. Has it's kind of like a, a bit of a GM screen. You can stand it yeah. up, mm. and it's got sort of like degrees of success, die roll modifiers, conditions, stuff like that. On the inside of the box. Fair enough. Yeah. And then I've got set of dice, one ring dice. Oh, that's, they're going for a lot of black and dice. red. Yeah. Oh, two sets of one ring dice. Nice. And I've got a bunch of cards here. Um, mm-hmm. this is, no, this is a, a lookout cards. guide scout hunter. So that's the roles for journeys they have. Ah, yes, yes. Cause that's yeah. quite important for yeah. the journey. Yeah. yeah. And I've got a card deck here. With, mm-hmm. this, this, this is equipment. I haven't taken the cellophane off this yet. But yeah. the one I can see says great shield and just stats the shield and that one's that crinkling you're hearing live on there is Russ <laughs> opening up his deck of cards. Gorgeous big poster map. Oh I say. That is yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, open up a bit. There we go. So two sides. Ah, perfect. It completely covers you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? That's uh, three foot by four foot, something like that? Um, He's swerving. Four foot, I don't think. No, maybe, no. Maybe less than that. Foot? Three know. foot by two foot? Oh, no. It's just a standard I, size. I'm looking at things standard. over video camera. It's very hard to But it looks pretty cool. Yeah. You can and work on the table. A bunch of characters. Drogo Baggins here on a character oh. sheet. Yeah. And we've got Esmeralda Took. Right, right. And we've got uh, Labodia Bracegirdle. So a whole bunch of hobbits, it looks like. Yep. Uh, oh, no, we've got a dwarf here. Balin, yeah. son of Fundin. Right, dwarf. Right. So, yeah, so there's... Oh, there's, there's Bilbo Baggins there. Oh, we've got a Bilbo as well. Ah, oh, the greatest Hobbit of them all. We've got a Bilbo. Hobbit of the Shire. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of... A um, whole, whole bunch of characters, character sheets, filled in character sheets. Yeah. And then, of course, we do have three books. 
So we've got Ooh. a book of Avengers, which has five little Avengers in it. Nice. Soft cover book. We have a rule book. Shocker. Who'd have thought? Which I can't get out Did of the not. box. <laughs> a free league game catalogue. Oh. There we go. Very nice. A rule book. Oh, yes, yes. A setting book for the Shire itself. Oh, is that green? Or is that black? Yeah, it's green. Like, this oh, stuff, like, even if I never play this game, it this is stuff is, I'm, as a Lord of the Rings fan, mm. this is just stuff like, oh, God, this book of this map of the Shire in the book and detailed map of the Shire in there and mm. details about the Shire and, oh, this looks, oh, this is lovely. Yeah. You know, any Lord of the Rings fan, you have to be a thing. And then the, ins- mm. the, bo- the inside of the cover, a uh, box, box, oh. bottom, as well as the top has, Start right. This, in this case, a map. Oh, goodness. Wow, they've really covered every available so, service. Yeah, their production values are stunning. But, you know, yes. Like, Free League have nailed that aspect mm-hmm. of production. Yeah, I'm really, really happy with this. Yes. Good. Very happy with that. Anyway, yeah. So that we should play it sometime. Yeah, we should do. Yeah. Right, forget that. All packed back up again. There yeah. we go. Well, I mean, I also got some loot this week, in fact. Right. Yes. Ba, ba, oh, you got your Gate Pass Gazette. I got my Gate Pass Gazette. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite nice. It's uh, got, what, four articles? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. The Constricted Heritage by Anthony Olipio. The Artificer Class by Andrew Engelbright. The Lycanthrope Synergy Feats by Tiago Rosa. And The Jabberwock by Paul Hughes. Mm. Yes. So you've got, that's your first bit of actual printed. Yes. Up stuff, isn't it? Yes, that is actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Morris, I have them all behind me on my shelf. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. They're so They're ribbonless yeah. versions, though. Ah, right. So I haven't actually got... Because, you know, obviously I'm going to make sure I've got some nice proper leatherette versions for myself, which is what's going to be back there. Yes, yes. Okay, well, yes. Um, I'm quite, quite, pleased, quite pleased with that Gate Pass Gazette. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pleased with how right. it came out. Yes. For, and, and of course, Gate Pass Gazette now has its required 500 subscribers. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so it's launching in March officially. Nice. Uh, it's going to be, it says it's going to be monthly. Yeah. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough schedule, but yeah, should be interesting. Yeah, well, that's exactly what Mike does with Insider. Mm-hmm. He does five articles a month. This is four articles. Yeah. It's not even as, as much as Mike does with Insider. Oh, really? So it should be, <laughs> it should be easily possible. It's not like people have to Definitely. do things sequentially. People can work in parallel. That is so true. And yes. it's not like you have to do each. Cause like there's some people that they were saying online. So I don't understand how that works. So you've only got a month to write and play test each. Issue. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. When you, when you, when you get a magazine in like September. Yes. It, you know, it might have been written in January. <laughs> yeah, it might have been yeah. written in January. Do you know what I mean? That's, we don't, people don't start up from scratch each month with nothing and then quickly write a magazine. It's an yeah, ongoing yeah. rolling process. That's going yeah, on like I, I imagine the Halloween articles are being uh, kicked around in as we speak. Yeah, like we started on issue one ages ago because yeah, we had true. faith we'd hit the 500. Yeah. It's not um, like we're just starting now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, I mean, yeah, so I, I look forward to reading more. Hmm. Uh, is there a new editor as well? Uh, well, the first editor, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Savannah Broadway is going to be, yes. is not going to be, is the editor is. of uh, Gate Pass Gazette. Uh, Gate Pass Gazette, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I, I, I realised something mine. totally yeah. accidentally. Yes. Gate Pass, because it's named after the city in yes. um, the Middle Sky. It suddenly occurred to me, it's also the opposite of gatekeeping, which was an accident of naming. 
Right, right. Gate okay. Pass. So it's is like, it, I quite is like it about, the magazine it, is like named it, after the opposite of gatekeeping. It reflects very inclusive values. Yeah. The fact that, that I keep on calling it the Gatekeep Gazette is entirely <laughs> on that me. Is that is bad. That is bad, <laughs> You're a bad, bad, I, I, bad person for saying that. I can't. I, I know, but it's like... Peter, <laughs> officially, you heard it here first. Peter is officially a gatekeeper. <laughs> he wants to keep you out of gaming. No. Um, yeah, you, uh, the listener. You there, right now. You. Peter wants to keep you out. Uh, well, I, I, I want to keep out of, out of this bizarre conversation you're generating. But okay. So, so I don't know. Would I be a gate passer or a gate passer? Uh, a gate passer, I suppose, yeah. Okay. Mm. Or a gazetteer. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, I think we may have finished the news. We could dive into a few Kickstarters. Oh, we should. We yeah. could do. Have you got uh, the link fantastic. to the Kickstarter column page? Uh, the work done by the magnificent Egg Embry. I do mm. not, in fact. I did uh, see that Cobalt Press launched a Kickstarter this week. Oh, yes. It yeah. was for another of their amazing monster books. Mm. And oh. when I looked at it this Monst- morning... Yeah, Two had- Beasts free, yeah? Yeah, it had already hit sort of like nearly half a million dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah, that in no way surprises me. Yeah, so yeah, they. I mean, two Tomb of Beast one was like pretty solid. Mm. Uh, I didn't even know they had Tomb of Beast two out. So yeah, good yeah. then. Yeah, they do really, really well. I mean, yeah. they're they're like as far as third party publishers for D and D go, I think they're probably the main one. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, sort of Paizo to Watsy. Uh, as it is now. Mm. Yes. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, so let's have a look at Kickstarters. We've got uh, for Mage, uh-huh. um, 20th anniversary, we have got Law of the Traditions. Okay, all right. Um, so this is a source book for the storyteller system. Yes. All uh, the tens, as far as you can see. Big, <laughs> yeah. big pools of them. Yeah. Um, I've got so to say, they're is- a very satisfying dice to roll. You just... Pick up your big handful. Give me a shake now. So, Law of the Traditions, I believe, already exists. This is a deluxe edition of it. Yes. And it explores the history, practices, and politics of each current member of the Council of Nine. Oh, exciting. Yeah. So, if you're a Mage fan and you want a deluxe edition of that, that that is available for you. It's got two weeks to go. It's well-funded. It's doing really well. Yes. It's about $100,000 so far. Mm. Okay, 20th anniversary edition. Mm. Good lord. Across <laughs> a Thousand Dead Worlds, which is an awesome name for a game. That is quite strong. Yeah, yeah. I'm, are you, do you get to be a space archaeologist? The inquiry <laughs> minds need to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it says explore alien sites and traverse undiscovered planets. That sounds very <laughs> archaeological to me. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, tell, tell us more. Uh, so, yeah. a new system, horror, space exploration, tabletop role-playing game. Oh. Um, it wow. can be used as a single player game or in oh. a group of up to five players with or without a game master interesting it sounds mm. almost like um a, a a board game at that point but obviously not mm. but also wow amazing cross a thousand dead worlds that is mm. very evocative yeah so yeah um this is uh this is it's doing very well it's got mm. 68 hours to go so you're going to get in there fast Oh, By yeah, the time this quick. goes out, it'll be down to like a day or so. Um, it might be down to as little as four hours. Yeah, yeah. It's done 73,000 euros of its 20,000 euro goal. It's a Ooh. Spanish company. Ah, uh, see. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Kickstarter page itself, I like the pre- presentation of it. The artwork's mm. kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of, 
slightly retro kind of um, computer displays, which you might sort of see in Alien or something. Uh, okay. And some really kind of atmospheric black and white artwork. Mm. Um, oh, wow. The That cover is quite the thing. Goodness. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, it? Yeah, it's like... Is it plasma? Is it blood? Uh, what what is going on with that? Is, I don't know, but uh, yeah, a great, what a great name now across a thousand yeah. dead worlds. You know, yeah. one one of my weak points is yes. coming up with evocative titles for things. Really, I have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So I've just found the black and white illustrations. Yes. Yeah. So what else we got? We got Cyber yeah. Metal Twenty Twelve. Uh, this is an RPG. Yeah, yeah. Which is a lo-fi cyberpunk RPG. Oh, interesting. When a metal band ritually sacrificed Ronald Reagan at a concert opening the gates of hell, that's kind of how it starts. <laughs> okay. Um, it uses, it's a D100 system. It's got a kind of Mork Borgy vibe to it. And, um, mm, um, and it's kind of like uh, metalheads, demons, drug running and stuff like that. Right. Um, black and white art. It looks... Yeah, it looks kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it's certainly got a distinctive art style. Mm. I'll say that straight away. Well, you, Pentacle City. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Lo-fi cyberpunk. Mm. I'm not sure what lo-fi cyberpunk would be. I'll be honest. Yeah. There's yeah. one way to find out. Yeah, the back Kickstarter. And yeah, the cyber down. bit kind of intimates fi. Mm. Mm. Hi-fi. Well, yeah. well, I mean, yeah, but... Surely that is like high fidelity. Uh, Lo-fi, so, hi-fi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. It's exciting though. Yeah. I bring this meeting of the Dungeon Health and Safety Board to order. Thank you, Garbutt. Now, I have been wanting to bring this new death trap to the Council's attention for a while. The uh, giant spiked rolling pin. That's the one. It's been in place on Dungeon Level 6 for a few weeks now, and frankly, I have concerns. Very well, Maggin. Please do share your concerns with the board. Well, as you know, we are responsible for the lack of health and safety in the dark catacombs of infinite torment. A thankless job, but somebody's got to do it. Indeed, and as part of our remit, we are tasked to ensure that every trap means our stringent safety requirements. Absolutely. Did you perform the safety audit on the trap? I did. As you know, the safety audit involves a team of inspectors who conduct a thorough examination, generating a safety rating. Yes, yes, we all know how it works, Maggin. So, what did the trap score? A miserable C-. C-? That's appalling. Yes, it is in fact the safest trap, not only on that level, but in the whole dungeon. Well, we can't have that. It's our responsibility to ensure it meets our lack of safety requirements. What can we do to lower that score? Well, I suppose we could put poison on the spikes. Hmm, That would certainly be a start. Now, have we removed the railings from the bottomless pit on dungeon level 14? Oh, we have, we have, and the pit safety index plummeted, as expected. Good, good. And level 12, we had those crushing walls. Ah, uh, yes, spikes added as requested, along with soundproofing to ensure that any cries for help go unanswered. Oh, excellent, excellent. Well, then, I think we can bring this meeting to a close. A job well done. Well, actually.
actually, there is one more thing I wanted to raise, Gargut, if you don't mind. Oh, certainly, Macken. What is it? Well, I was, uh, I was thinking about the ethics of all of this. The, the what now? The ethics, you know, the moral implications of putting dangerous death traps in dungeons. I'm afraid I don't understand. What else would we put in a dungeon? I don't know. Maybe puppies? Puppies? Have you lost your mind? That defeats the whole point. Well, that's kind of my point. What exactly is the purpose of all these dungeons? Well, they're places of adventure for erstwhile heroes and dookers. A way for them to earn treasure and XP. We're an important public service. Right, right, I get that. But isn't there a more ethical way to earn treasure and XP? Oof, darned if I can think of one. I mean, your average adventurer expects, nay, demands, a certain level of danger in their grave robbing. Do they, though? Of course they do. Where's the fun in raiding an ancestral troon without a few untimely deaths? A few grisly demises. I mean, that's half the point of it. Is it, though? <sighs> Look, Magan, I really don't see where you're going with this. We're the Dungeon Health and Safety Board. This is like our one job. The sole reason for our existence. I understand that, but... Look, if we remove the traps from the dungeons, what next? The monsters? Do you want to be the one to clear out the black pudding layer? It's just that I feel like this whole setup is predicated on a false but self-perpetuating arms race featuring more and more deadly obstacles and greater treasures, the survival of which enhances the capabilities of the murder hobos in an infinite, ever-escalating spiral of violence. So? It's like the sole reason for this brutal synergy is to advance adventurers in power so that they can overcome greater challenges, which in turn increase their ability still further. Yes, yes, what of it? Well, but... Why? Why? Well, what's the point of it all? What purpose does it serve? Isn't it all just an immense waste of life, treasure, and, uh, dare I say it, bleach? Well, it, it, it keeps us in a job, doesn't it? Unless you fancy being a shopkeeper. It would certainly involve fewer dismembered bodies. Look, the service we provide is essential to the safety of the realm. Safety of the realm? Whatever were you talking about? Oh, it's quite simple. If the Archlord Draxmus forges an unholy alliance with the Elder Gods of Evil in an attempt to take over the universe, who's going to stop him? You? I'm sure some heroic knight or wizard will step up to the plate. Ah, but without an endless supply of deadly dungeons, monsters and traps with which to test their metal, how will they gain the strength they need to defeat the diabolical fiend? Mm-mm. Yes, see what you mean. So, not only is our job ethical, it is without doubt essential. Yes, yes, I see that now. In a way, I suppose we are the heroes of the story. Ah, yes, see it, Akin, exactly. The more hapless adventures we bravely slaughter with unfair and one-sided, vicious and agonising death traps, the more luckless explorers we fiercely mutilate and kill, the more heroic we become. You know... All this is making me feel rather underappreciated. True heroes do not seek fame and reward, Magan. We work tirelessly, safe in the knowledge that our actions guarantee the safety of the realm. Nay, the world! Still, a little word of thanks would be nice, wouldn't it? A note for a card, perhaps? Maybe a little banquet or a medal or something? Maybe we should 
Go on, strike. A strike, that's it. We'll stop slaughtering the champions of light. See how they like that. Yeah, no more senseless butchery and bloodshed. Give it a week or two, and those ungrateful clots will be practically begging for a spot of carnage. Yeah, and we'll refuse to dismember them limb from limb. That'll show them. Now, what do we do instead? Oh, I don't know. Where, where, where did you put the puppies? Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers yes. get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. So, Peter. Russ. You have a Kickstarter. I know, which is a very unexpected thing to have happen. Your first ever Kickstarter. It is. It's bizarre. Are you excited? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm quite a bit excited. Um, I'm more optimistic at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. So, so what is it? What is your Kickstarter for? Well, it's the first product I'm asking people to provide funding for under my RPG label, which I've called Homebrewing Hacking. Mm-hmm. And this is all about how to craft new heritages and cultures for advanced fifth edition. Mm. Yeah. This is what a soft cover book. Yes, yes, it will be a soft cover book. Yeah, it is still with the layout, layout artist. One of the things I am learning is that things like Google Pages do not translate directly to uh, laid out pages. Yeah, you don't need a layout in Google Pages for good reason because Google Pages is not <laughs> a layout tool. But um, I have seen some of the layout. That you have been getting done. Yes. By DM Sarah, I believe. That is correct, yes. Layout artist, and it looks gorgeous. It is very, very pretty. I'm yeah, yeah. It, it, it is, just, it is yeah. When, that, that moment when your words turn from a Google document into a laid out PDF is a magical, magical time. Yeah, yes. It's like, oh, wow, this looks like an actual RPG book now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how long is it? As I say, it's going to be... Give or take. Uh, between 40 and 50 pages. Okie dokie. And in that 40 or 50 pages, you tell people how to create a heritage or a culture. Do you provide an actual system for them to do it? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, so what I am working on, or what I have been working on, is essentially there, there is a certain amount of table involved in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is one of the things. It's a guide that is 
aimed at narrators, at GMs or DMs, however you want to style yourself. And with this, you'll be able to go through, you imagine a new heritage, mm-hmm. and then you can go through and just pick out the various bits and bobs that you need to put into a heritage mm-hmm. um, to make it work. And that you can then offer to your players and say, would you like to play one of these things? Mm. So if you don't want to confine yourself to the Forgotten Realms, if you want to just homebrew something, I mean, if you just want, maybe if you want to do like a, like sort of a sci-fi thing, it's all available and there's a lot of crossover because obviously as it's compatible with Advanced 5th Edition, it is also backwards compatible with the Basic 5th Edition. Hmm. So what do you do? You select a number of things equal to points? Is it points? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a point-based system. What we, what I've been working with is inspired by and owes a certain amount to the Detect Balance website, which mm-hmm. is a uh, Google document, a Google sheet, which has been a bit updated, but uh, essentially what they did is they've gone and they have a scale, they've put together a scale from about one to eight mm-hmm. for various features that you might have within a an old-fashioned player handbook race. So right. like the, let's, let's take for example the, um, let's take for example dwarves. Mm-hmm. So dwarves, they've got like 25 foot of movement. So that's like negative two points because normally the standard is 30. Okay. But they also, or they can move at full speed even if they're wearing armor that is too heavy for them. Mm-hmm. So that's like a bonus two points and then it goes through there. So things like a plus two to an ASI, that's a whole eight points because that is very powerful. That's yeah. plus 5% to everything you're doing. Or I say dark vision is probably sort of like one or two points, is it? Or- well, uh, actually, dark vision is about three points, which Ooh, is, is yeah, it's quite, quite expensive. But, but also, Part of it is based on how frequently it is used and how much of a difference it makes to the game. So again, and that's one of the things, because one of the things I wanted to do with it personally, the reason I started writing things is because I got annoyed. That is Mm. like a major way to get me to do things. Just annoy me enough and I'll do it. I wanted to be able to say either the whole party has dark vision or no one has dark vision. Mm. And because I'm a lazy and hack DM, I quite enjoy the idea of darkness actually being scary again. So I went through and redesigned the races from the Adventurer's Guide as a first draft to uh, follow a no dark vision policy. And also threw in things like rather than using Dragonborn, I went with Kobolds because I like Kobolds better than Dragonborn. It, it's a personal taste, but it's that sort of customization power. And once I'd done this, I realized, wait a minute, I would not be able to find this anywhere. So I went and had a look. There's like, Details of the points, but there's no systematic way for someone who is new to GMing mm-hmm. to go about doing this. And if you don't have a system, then you may make mistakes. And also, I read a lot online, and there's a lot of people who are just nervous about it. Mm. Like, some people are just like, yeah, we'll throw themselves at it. And maybe this book is a good source of inspiration for those people. Fair play to you. to me like it would be a good tool, not just for players, but also for game designers. Well, I mean, it's uh, as I said, it, this is primarily aimed at narrators and mm. and game designers. I mean, you can let your players dig in and have at it, and you will get some very interesting results. Mm. But the idea is not necessarily that you are here to create the most, quote, broken, unquote, thing that you possibly can. I mean, I'm sure you could find ways that I haven't anticipated, but ways that you, as a narrator, can say, this is a way to bring to life my vision of what a heritage should be. 
Right, right. Yeah. So how broad is it? I mean, what can, what can you do with it? Uh, I am very pleased with how well it sort of responded to this. Mm. So the examples that I've been going to has been quite handy are things like the Merfolk, mm-hmm. which uh, uses the sinuous shape signature ability. And what that is, is essentially a lot of the rules are based around the idea that your player character will have two arms, two legs, and a head. Mm-hmm. What if you wanted to play someone with a tail instead of a pair of legs? And from that, when I was thinking about that, then actually things like if you want to play something like a UNT or a mermaid, or I don't know, maybe some sort of half-worm person, or I don't know. I I don't really know. Like it's a it's it's a thing that you can use and flavour for yourself. So if you want to be an arboreal snake climbing person, then there's a way to put in a climb speed and a ground speed. If you want to be a swimming person, you've got a ground speed and a swimming speed. If you want to play someone who lives in the trees, you can. If you want to play someone who's on who's like lives in the sea, you can. But that uses the same base part. It's how you flavour it that's important. So I, you've mentioned to me in conversation that you can do large and tiny creatures, which the core yes. rules for 5e and A5e don't currently allow. Yes, that's correct. I, I mean, a lot of the information is just based upon having a look and being familiar with how large creatures work mm. in advanced 5e. So it's um, just like some of the attributes you can pick for them, like being able to have a long reach costs a lot more if you are a large creature right uh because it uh, like because just because in game balance terms it actually seriously increases the amount of squares you can affect on a grid yeah, yeah yeah so like that's going to be more expensive for you i mean if you want to you can put it in and there's some like negative features you can use to weaknesses if you want to take out to uh balance that out Things like um, if you're more vulnerable to fire damage or poison damage, that is a fairly serious weakness. So mm. that sort of gives you that that's a that's a slap, and you, so you can use that to take extra benefits. It's right, based around right. benefits and slaps, balance in other words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's yeah, got yeah. a budget that they're working to. Yeah. And what does being tiny do for you? Being tiny, there are some definitely some good points that, like uh, as I recall, you need less supply and you can obviously pass through other people's spaces with less yeah. trouble. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but equally, when you are less than a foot tall, which is pretty damn tiny, the common house cat goes from being uh, an annoying nuisance to... <laughs> to a giant tiger. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like not, not a giant tiger, but you're actually... Yeah, actually, these guys are kind of a problem. You know? um, <laughs> but for, for, so, for example, that's one of the things. It's like um, in Advanced 5th Edition, basic manoeuvres, tiny mm. creatures can't affect like sort of norm- player characters normally because they're too small. Whereas if mm. you're a tiny creature, you can be affected by a basic manoeuvre. So you could be right, grappled right. or leapt on or grabbed on by a cat. And that is a thing. But on the other hand, this is a fairly serious disadvantage, which allows you to get a more benefit so you're more likely to be able to force things like flying say mm. oh flying you say yes yes you said I flying have. you said the I, word flying speak more on this flying thing of which you speak well as you know level up advanced first edition already has a way for player characters to have flight from level one dragonborns dragonborn with draconic wings exactly so that is a very simple and effective way to implement flying mm-hmm Nothing wrong with it. 
but there are other ways you can do it. For instance, you could just have a flat flying speed because maybe you just fly through the power of your mind. I don't know. In many ways, it's sort of not, not my thing. It's like, has a, has a narrator, you're creating this entirely new race that I've never seen before, this entirely new heritage. What are their properties? Can they just innately fly? Mm. And if they can, that's fine. Maybe they've got mechanics for that. And if you prefer, actually, and if it, like, well, actually, flight is really powerful starting at level one. You just don't like it because it is essentially a level three spell. That's pretty, pretty tanky. What you can do instead is you can say a person has wings. You don't mm. have to call it wings. It might be some other thing. Maybe it's like a glass bladder or something. I don't, again, I don't really mind or know that much. It's sort of, but these are the rules that you can use and reflavor. So at starting at level one, your wings help prevent you from being knocked over as easily mm. because like they sort of flap out and you get, so you get a D4 on your saving throw against being knocked prone. Uh-huh. At, yeah. Uh, level three, you gain access to the wing break feature, mm. which is where you just stick your wings out where if you're suddenly falling, it's like a bit like a little minor feather fall. And mm-hmm. It prevents maybe as much fall damage. And then at level five, you gain your full flying speed mm. and to prevent flying from being a major problem uh, because flying in itself is not bad. Flying is good. A lot of a lot of play, players want to play it, but we have to look at it from a three pillars analysis. What D and D is combat, social, and exploration, right? Mm-hmm. So social flying is nice, but not really an effect. Combat it can affect it, but it's like is the flying creature necessarily a problem? Because you can put archers in the game. Mm. Problems come when they're picking up other people and using them to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Mm-hmm. And that is also a problem in exploration because if you're like, I'm, as I said, I'm a very lazy hack GM, I like to occasionally say things like, well, there's a 12 foot wall in front of you. How do you get over it? And that encourages the players to use teamwork and work out how they would cross such a barrier. Mm-hmm. If you have a flying character, they essentially they don't have an encounter to overcome. Mm-hmm. They're not rolling skill dice. They're not casting spells. They're just saying, well, this happens. Right. right. They pick them up and they fly up and they're done. And that's so it. How, how do you get around that mechanically then? Well, uh, because encumbrance is an important part of level up, I've actually reduced the encumbrance when you're flying from mm. the normal, the normal when you're walking around is 15 times your base strength and encumbrance. Mm. So I said, well, it's like twice that. Right. So it's like, like bulk, bulky items. Yeah, I think maybe I put a restriction on bulky items. I can't quite remember, but mm. probably. But like, you know, instead of being able to carry, like if you had strength 10, you can carry 150 pounds. Mm. You've got strength 10, you can carry 150 pounds when you're walking. And yeah. when you're flying, you can carry 20 pounds. Mm. So Dan, that is a big difference between being able to carry a couple of gnomes everywhere and not, if yeah. you see what I mean. Yeah. 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 So... When does it launch? Tuesday, I believe. Yes, the 1st of February. Start of the month, Chinese New Year, Year of the Dragon. Year of the Dragon? Uh, I don't know what, how I'm saying there, because it's clearly the year of the tiger. Clearly. Pro- possibly, I'm just revealing my inner Bruce Lee fandom too much. <laughs> what can I say? But yes, yeah. yeah. So Tuesday, not, not 1st of February, say- Year of the Tiger. For yeah. how long? 15 days. I thought I'd go for quite a quick start, mm-hmm. because having it hanging around for a whole month just seemed like it would be very harsh on my nerves. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. And how much does it cost? Well, the book is around about the $10 mark. I've got mm-hmm. it in pounds because 
I'm a filthy barbarian coming from Englandshire, and so I work in pounds, so eight pounds for a book, which is about ten dollars. Maybe yeah, sure. a little tiny bit more, yeah. And uh fifteen pounds for uh the print on demand, which is okay. what we're working towards. And because possibly there's someone who might have a burning urge to talk to me, there is also a three hundred pound option where I will get up and talk to you over Zoom or Teams for a good couple of hours, having read some of the stuff and help you create your own stuff. Mm. I'm not expecting a lot of take up on that one, I'll be honest. Mm. It is three hundred pounds. That's a lot of money. You know, I get to talk to you for a couple of hours every week. I know, right? <laughs> I like, people, I, I, I mean, if you're listening to us, it's like you, you certainly can, or you could just I don't know, talk to me on Twitter or something. That might definitely also work. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah. I'll talk to people and help them solve their problems for free. But yeah, yeah. But, so, but I promise to do that, and also before the end of the year. So, yeah. so launching on Tuesday for yes. two weeks, cost you about a tenner. Yeah. What's your goal? 300, I think? I Three, 300 pounds, yes. And that's um, basically to pay DM server to lay out the... Yes, that's correct. Because you've yeah. done the writing. It's done. Yes. Yeah. And, so. and I am aware that it is important to pay Kickstarter and relevant taxes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Taxes I mean, are fun. <laughs> I, absolutely. It would be awful if I was to be like any sort of game developer and not be aware that Kickstarter charged you money to do its Kickstarter. Oh, right. I'd feel when really you do, when you do like a, a sort of close to a million dollar Kickstarter and you realise just how much they get out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a big chunk of change. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's something to look forward to. It's launching next week. Yeah. I, yeah. Will, I will be your first backer. I'm going to try and be your first backer. Okay. Right. So I probably I should... won't manage it, but I'll try. <laughs> well, let me know when you're going to launch. Let me give you a five minute warning. Oh, I don't know, actually. That is something I've been meaning to ask you. When is a good time to launch uh, Kickstarter? Well, I, because <laughs> I want to try and catch as many time zones as possible, yeah. I find that about 4pm UK time okay. is quite a good time because then you'll find the US is starting to wake up. It will roll across yes. the US. Yes. Sort of uh, the uh, the East Coast will already be up and about and mm. the West Coast will start uh, yes. waking up. And also, okay. you've got all of Europe is up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get then you get a good launch day, I find. So four PM UK okay. time, so sort of midday ish on the East Coast in America. I think right. that works out too, just before well, midday. That resolves the question of when to launch. So there you go. It's Tuesday, has has been long established, is the best day to start your Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And it's four PM and it's a Chinese New Year. I Not really can't wondering. arrange for a better conjunction. I have been wondering something, whether it's cause yes. whether it's a cause and effect type thing. So there's definitely yeah. a correlation between mm. the most successful Kickstarters launching on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. But is it, you know, I've gotten down to the fact that it's common wisdom to launch it on Tuesdays. So an, uh, a successful Kickstarter, which would have been successful whatever day it launched, Launches on Tuesday all the time now, and that's where the correlation is coming from. Or is it the other way around? What's causing what? Oh, well, indeed. Uh, I, I could not say. But the common wisdom is to launch on a Tuesday, so. Yeah. Well, I will say that if I launch on a Tuesday and it's a two-week Kickstarter, then it will probably finish on a Tuesday. What day which, of the week is it ending? Um, one plus 14 is 15, so that's a Tuesday as well. Okay. So it won't ruin my weekend. Yeah. And that's important. Yes, yeah. that is important. That is important. <laughs> well, good luck with it. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. you need to, you'll, get, you'll, you'll get those back. You've got like 50 followers on there already, haven't you? Yeah, something like it. Take, yeah. And, and as I say, we, we barely touched on like some of the nice features, which are things like the cultures. And a lot of the beauty of this book will be its organization. Because mm. I know that is something that's very dear to your heart at Ian World, where 
organization of information so that players can and whoever's whoever's using your books wants to be able to get their hands on the information straight away so i've got page references to the adventurer's guide Ooh, yeah so you can therefore if you want to find out anything you can either use the adventurer's guide to things or you can use the stuff in my book or you can mix and match them again just reflavor and you can create what you want and that's the same for cultures and because you know it makes sense and it's quite easy to do i've also included an entire appendix devoted to allowing you to work with this and convert it to basic fifth edition mm. so if you haven't played advanced fifth edition and you don't think your players will go through it you've got my hints and tips or how to change them over which is it's really honestly very simple you just make the culture and give them a plus two and plus one mm. of the culture of the heritage plus two plus one you're done that's it yeah, yeah. yeah you don't put the culture in and you don't mess and you just give them a standard D background you're done and you can just use any of the advanced fifth edition heritages that way and it gives your players a choice and they're very nifty and also i've got advice on how you can offer players cultures instead of maybe a plus one uh, yeah. or a plus two just to just to tempt them into trying out advanced fifth edition so if you're a gm and you're like i love advanced fifth edition and i very much want my players to try to try it but they're not willing to take on advanced this could be your foot in the door sure. yeah oh and also i'm throwing in like some example races i've got templates and there's uh three new backgrounds as well oh yes yeah. you did mention those what are they yeah, yeah yeah that's right the tavern server the grave digger and the clerk Oh, yeah, you mentioned those last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we talked about those before. But, yeah, no, it's, um, I've also got, like, the, I mean, those are really easy to do. The biggest problem is mementos and contacts. But, yeah. I've, but again, there will be a template for those just so that you can really properly claim your game has your own. And, mm. I, I mean, a lot of people don't want to do that. And that's absolutely fine. This is for the people who are wanting to customise their game to their exact tastes but are afraid to do so. Okay. Yeah. Good luck. Next week, Tuesday. Yeah. 4pm. 4, 4 there you go. 4pm. 4 4pm 4 4 on PM GMT is when we'll be launching. Yeah. yeah. So if you're in America, in. about midday or just before midday. Yeah. Depending, yes, no, depending where in America you are. On the West Coast, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. East Coast. East Coast will be about midday. East Coast about midday. West okay. Coast will be a bit a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> right, and with that, I think we're yes. done for the week. I think that's a podcast. Yeah, boy. Well, hey, yes. Another one. Another one bites the dust, as it were. Yes, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you, Russ. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Can you hear my dog snoring? (laughs) (laughs) I can't hear your dog snoring. (laughs) I can hear my dog snoring. Okay. Ah, a bit rude, Hudson. Mm.
<laughs> Everyone was a critic for us. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 